Good morning, people of God. What a beautiful day the Lord has given us. Amen? Amen. Uh, for those of you who don't know me in the live stream, my name is Pastor Dave Parker, King of Kings, is our family of faith. And uh, it's just, it's good to be here. Woo! Uh, you may notice some lights flickering today and that some are off. We are experiencing, I think, what's known as a rolling brownout. So we have some TVs that work and some that don't. Uh, the bathroom lights will flicker, so if you like a strobe experience while you go to the bathroom, you should definitely go before you leave here today. Uh, it's, it's an adventure. Every, every day is an adventure, right? We came home from uh, Bible camp uh, nine days ago, and my oldest son Owen wasn't feeling well, and sure enough, he tested positive for COVID for the first time it hit our family. And sure enough, he loves to share so much that he gave it to his mother, and, uh, and so she's been down or not as well. The rest of us have all been negative and it's, you know, it, we've turned the corner and things are better. So thank you for your prayers for our family during this time. Wanted to share that uh, last Sunday we packed over 10,000 meals for Kids Against Hunger. Uh, and we were so efficient that apparently it only took an hour to do all that. So look at you all. How awesome is that? So thank you for all of you who are able to help make that happen, whether financially or volunteering of your time. That's awesome, right? Yes. That's over 10,000 people that will be fed through those meals. Um, due to some COVID realities, VBS was, is postponed for two weeks. So it would have started tonight. Uh, but we're going to push it back two weeks. So it's, be, it's starting August 14th, that Sunday evening, uh, going through that Wednesday night, the August 17th. So, uh, if you, or your, you know, if you had your children or grandchildren or neighbors registered, you'll need to re-register them. Uh, but, uh, and then also if you are now available and you weren't before, we, we're always looking for help. So, uh, you know, whether you feel like you are super talented to be around kids or not, there are opportunities to do things without kids. But uh, it's going to be a great time. Um, let's see. Oh, I need to mention, um, starting tomorrow, I'm going to be on a six-week sabbatical. Uh, we sent that information out this last Wednesday on the Constant Contact. So if you need more information about that, check your email. Uh, but for six weeks, I am going to unplug. Uh, this is something that is is supposed to happen for pastors every five years to, uh, to take 12 weeks off. I'm taking six weeks off uh, just because, I don't know, I just, <laughs> there's so much stuff going on in September, I, I just, I don't want to miss out. So well, You're taking six weeks because you already delayed by two years, so if you would have waited another three years, we would have just erased the whole thing. Right, yeah, 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 because it goes against, yeah, okay, so, <laughs> right, yeah, I, I'm really adding it all up. It's been 14 years of ministry, I haven't taken a sabbatical yet, so I think I'm due for like two years off. Not sure how that works yet. We'll, yeah, we'll, wait till you're 66. Yeah, right. I think it's called retirement. Yes, um, but uh, uh, there's a lot of stuff still coming up. We've got some great activities. Obviously, VBS in two weeks. We've got uh, an outdoor church picnic at the end of August. We've got small groups that are starting. We've got our time and talent opportunity survey that's that's rolling out now on our website. We invite you to fill that out. We'll be contacting you all to make sure that we find ways to get plugged in. Because the reality is a church needs everyone to chip in for it to be a church. We're going to talk more about that in our sermon today. Uh, yeah, so with all that, and then also there will be no Monday night worship for the next six weeks either. Uh, so we will revisit that uh, the middle of September, just so you know, so you can prepare ahead. 
Let us pray. Benevolent God, you are the source, the guide, and the goal of our lives. Teach us to love what is worth loving, to reject what is offensive to you, and to treasure what is most precious in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, and all of God's people say, Amen. All right, we're going to continue our walk through the book of Luke this morning. Uh, today's gospel comes to us from the book, uh, sorry, from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. And I invite you to listen to these words. The story of this, uh, yeah, the story is called the parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Friend, who said me to be a judge or (laughs) arbitrator? Goodness, you ever had those moments when you just like forget how to read? (laughs) Yeah, just we're just going to roll with it. All right. Teacher, tell me, tell, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who said me to be a judge and arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a, uh, the land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, sisters, brothers, dear ones, grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A sixth grade teacher posed the following problem to her math class. A wealthy man dies and leaves $10 million. One-fifth goes to his wife, one-fifth goes to his son, one-sixth goes to his butler. And the rest goes to charity. Now, what does each one get? And after a very long silence in the classroom, little Joey raised his hand and with complete sincerity in his voice, he says, A lawyer? (laughs) I mean, he's probably right, right? Where there's a will, there's often a lawsuit. Yes. Someone in the crowd listening to Jesus teach says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. See, back then, if all of it wasn't given to the oldest sibling or the oldest son, that best the younger son had a chance of getting one-third. But that wasn't enough for this brother. And isn't it interesting? The more things change, the more things stay the same. How many families have come to grief because of the settling of an estate? Money does that to us, doesn't it? 
sometimes at the time of death, sometimes the time of a divorce. Comedian Jack Benny from TV's Golden Age. Y'all remember Jack Benny? Nod your heads. Yes. Had a skit which illustrated how we place money ahead of everything. He was walking down the street and suddenly he's approached by an armed robber who says, your money or your life. There's a long pause. Jack does nothing. And the robber impatiently demands, well, Jack replies, don't rush me, I'm thinking it over. <laughs> right? Your money or your life. And all of a sudden, that's a hard decision. On the surface, our reading for today and the story that Jesus shares seems to be about money and about wealth. But the more I've looked into this, the more I've spent time with this reading, I really feel strongly that there is something deeper going on here. You see, at the core, this reading is all about isolation. Let's back up just a moment and and listen once again to what this rich man was saying, right, uh, in, in this parable. He says, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Did you hear how many times we heard the rich man say, I or my? Eleven times in just three short sentences. Do you hear the issue here? His conversation to himself was about himself and only himself. There's no evidence that there was anyone else in his life, anyone else that he should care about, anyone else who might have contributed or benefited from his bountiful harvest. Instead, confronted with the blessing of having an abundance, all he can think of is what he should do to make sure he gets the most out of his stuff so that he can live comfortably for the rest of his life. And here's the kicker. We do the same thing, don't we? Don't we have those same thoughts? And I wonder how many of us, myself included, aren't just envious, at least a little bit, of this man, right? I mean, wouldn't it feel amazing to have so much that we wouldn't ever have to, to worry or even think about how we're going to make ends meet or, or get things paid off or, or wonder if we're going to get a chance to do the things that we want to do. How many of us work or have worked for retirement being our goal? Totally fixated on what we'll be able to do when we have big enough barns for ourselves. We totally get this rich man because in so many ways we think like this. And even without thinking about it, we strive to be like this rich man, right? Successful, powerful, privileged, wealthy, comfortable. That is typically the driving force in our society. And if we ever do achieve just a taste of this, isn't one of our first thoughts, I've worked hard for this and it's mine. And to this, God calls this man a fool. 
He's a fool because he thinks he can secure his own future, that he needs no one, depends on no one, and can do it all alone. All foolish. Because in the end, not only is the rich man not immune to death, but he'll die alone and all that he's stored up for all of his comfort or to protect himself, nor will any of it go to, to people who loved him or whom he loves. All of it instead will be dust in the wind. You can't take it with you. Reminds me of another story, uh, a Leo Tolstoy once wrote a, a story about a successful peasant farmer who wasn't satisfied with what he had. He wanted more of everything. And on one day, this farmer received this wonderful offer. For a thousand rubles, he could buy all the land he wanted to, or all he could to walk around in a circle, okay? However much distance he could cover, that would be his. The only catch is that he would have to be back at that very same spot when the sun went down. So early the next morning, he started up walking a, a fast pace. By midday, he was tired, but he kept going, covering more and more ground. Well into the afternoon, he realized that his greed had taken him far from the starting point. So he quickened his pace. And as the sun began to sink low in the sky, he began to run, knowing that if he didn't make it back by sundown, the opportunity to become even a, a bigger landholder would be lost. As the sun began to sink below the horizon, he came within view, of, within sight of that finish line, and gasping for breath, his heart pounding, he called upon every bit of strength left in his body and staggered across that line just before the sun disappeared. He immediately collapsed, and in a few minutes later, he was dead. Afterwards, his servant dug him a, a grave it was not much over six feet long and three feet wide. The title of Tolstoy's story was, How Much Land Does a Man Need? In the end, Tolstoy suggests all a person really owns is six foot by three foot. So we're better off putting our confidence elsewhere. Jesus, like Tolstoy, is warning this crowd back then and perhaps us today that it's better not to put our trust in stuff and things and trips and comforts. And if we do, we will be sorely disappointed. Jesus might have asked, how much barn does a person need? We might ask today, how much storage space does a person need? Isn't it interesting? And I, I used to laugh at people like this. Now I am these people when people couldn't park in their garages anymore because of the amount of stuff that we have. I always drove by going, oh, those poor people. And now we can't fit more than one car in our garage. And I'm going, oh, that's me. How easy it is to forget the importance of God in our lives when our things, our comforts, our money keeps us looking elsewhere. More things never bring lasting happiness. In fact, usually it's the opposite. 
They actually keep us from experiencing happiness because we become isolated, focusing only on those things, focusing only on the vacation, the summer cottage, the the uh, uh, the need for retirement, whatever that thing is for you that you're striving for. If we become so focused on that, today Jesus says you're missing it. That's foolish, he says. Instead, I'm thinking Jesus is calling this brother and and you and I today to start striving for the opposite of isolation, which to me is community. A community in which we find sustenance and comfort and help and hope. A community in which and through which we experience life with God. The whole Bible reading started because of a break in community. You notice this brother comes to say, Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to share my inheritance with me. The brother, instead of seeing the blessing of having a family and community around him, wants what he thinks is his fair share of the inheritance. He's focused on the stuff. And Jesus will have none of it. Recognizing that what should have been a time of of celebration and remembrance and gratitude, the giving and sharing of an inheritance, has instead been turned into an opportunity for division. And Jesus refuses to uh, get directly involved and instead tells the story of a rich man who gets so caught up in his stuff that he dies alone. And it makes me wonder, who is Jesus addressing in this story? Is it just to this brother, or the other brother, or to his disciples, or to the crowds that were gathered around him, or for us today? And I'm thinking, yes. I think we would be foolish not to hear these words from Jesus as if he's speaking them directly to us as well. Because there is right now a profound and increasingly shared message out and about that life should be about us. I want, I need, I deserve that we should not and cannot trust each other, that the world is increasingly dangerous and therefore we should be afraid. You just watch all these political ads that are going to come kicking back up again. They already have, and every single one of them shares the exact same message. Be afraid, especially if the other person or the other party gets in. You'll lose your stuff. But here's the thing. That kind of fear never leads us forward. It never leads us into a more positive or life-giving future. If... If all if this is all we hear and all we focus on, this fear and the focus of making sure that we've got bigger barns, it will only further isolate us, convincing ourselves that the only solution is to worry about ourselves. There's a reason why the regular and relentless message of God, Jesus, and the angels throughout the Bible is do not be afraid firmly believe that it's not only to to bolster or to give you some courage, but also to keep you in community. 
Because when we're afraid, those blinders get put on. We don't see anyone else. We don't think of anyone else. There is no one else. That's what fear does. It keeps us from being around others. And so the angels and Jesus and God say, do not be afraid. Instead, share your lives with others. Share your hopes and your dreams and your fears and your concerns with a community. And don't get me wrong, there's no light switch for community. Community is not easy. It means putting up with people who disagree with us, annoy us, those who even have hurt us. Which is why forgiveness as well as trust is such a huge message for us. They're not easy things. Being a Christian is not an easy life. But this is God's will that we are not alone. Even God couldn't stay alone. God from the beginning was in community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit together. And if we're created in the image of God, guess what? That's in our DNA as well. We need to be in community. We need to fight against the things that get us thinking, what about me? What about us? What about my money? What about my future? What about my retirement? This rich man who was rich in stuff but poor in relationships never got that message. The message that Jesus is sharing with you today so that you don't become like that rich man. So are you hearing this, dear ones? Are we allowing this to to sink in just a little bit, to let, let that seed be planted in our hearts? This life is not only about you. This life is not about me, myself, and I. And true happiness and finding purpose rarely involves only watching out for ourselves. You and I, as followers of Jesus and as children of God, we have the responsibility to invest and to nurture a community that gathers around God's word of grace, mercy, forgiveness, and love. This is one of the reasons why we're, we're moving forward into this time of uh, time and talent opportunity survey. Because I'm a huge believer, especially, I mean, we're not through this pandemic yet. I'm well aware of that, as my family just experienced. But at the same time, one thing that this has done is isolated us. We've all experienced that. We still are, even if we are getting out in, into, you know, society again. We still feel alone so much, don't we? So this is Jesus saying, well, it's time to stop being alone. It's time to find ways to plug into something that is bigger than yourself, to be a part of a community that is there to hold each other up. That's the invitation I hear today from Jesus. Focus less about your inheritance, brother. Focus more on the opportunity that you have a family that you have blessings, that you have gifts that need to be shared. What an opportunity put before us. May we, may we hear these words and remember today what's most important in our lives. To put our time and our energies and our resources into relationships, into each other, and to build community up, a place where we can find hope and to share our lives 
This is challenging work, but it's also filled with God's blessings. And as we do so, know that we are strengthening the body of Christ together. So, thank you. And thank God for you. And for this community that's not easy to grow, but more worth it than perhaps we will ever know. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we can't thank you enough for the gift of today. Despite all that's going on in our personal lives and in the lives of our society and nation and the world, all the things that fight to separate us, to make us see each other as enemies, to get us more concerned about our stuff, our wants and our desires, more than perhaps the others who are around us. Lord, today give us an extra special portion of your spirit to to break down those walls, to get outside of ourselves, to start to see what's going on around us, to make a difference in the lives of others. And as that happens, Lord, just allow us to see the community that you create through us. We ask all this in your holy and precious name. Amen. And once again, for our prayers this morning, I'll, I'll give us a, a topic or a theme, and I invite you to use the words that are on your heart to pray for the people or the issues or things that we will be talking about. So just know that there's no right or wrong way to pray. And if you can't think of the words, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf and God knows our hearts. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, you bring us together today, whether in person or online, or we might hear this message later this week or even next year. And it's all bringing us together. It's all drawing us into community to be a place that matters. And Lord, whether it's uh, you know, singing or, or hearing a sermon or now praying, Lord, use our hearts to see the connections of how you're involved in so much in our lives. And as we now lift up our prayers to you, Lord, we know that you're already there with these people or these things that, that are on our hearts, but, but we, we lift them up to you to acknowledge how much they mean to us. So we begin our time of prayer, praying for all of God's people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for creation and this nature that you have given us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are overlooked or oppressed. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are hurting or in need of healing this morning.
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for ourselves and what's going on in our own personal lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Since we have such great hope in your promises, O God, we lift these and all of our prayers to you in confidence and in faith as we now pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I invite you now to take out your communion kits or your bread or your wine or grape juice at home as we prepare ourselves to receive the gifts of Jesus Christ. Before we do that, we're going to confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. I won't have you repeat after me, just let these words be yours as well. Merciful God, we confess that we have not followed your path, but have chosen our own way. Instead of putting others before ourselves, we long to take the best seats at the table. When met by those in need, we have all too often passed by on the other side. Set us again on the path of life. Save us from ourselves and free us to love our neighbors. Amen. Well, hear the good news. God does not deal with us according to our sin, but delights in granting pardon and mercy. So in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, your sins are forgiven. You are free to love as God loves you. Can I get an amen? Amen. I invite you now to take out your communion kits. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body and it's given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. The body of Christ given for you. Amen. And again after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks and gave it for all to drink saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me, the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. Ah, people of God, may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you this day and keep you always in God's grace. And all of God's people say, Amen. Finally, it's important we ask for your financial support today. None of the ministries, the amazing work that God works through King of Kings is possible without your generosity. So we've got buckets on your way out. We've got a QR code at the end of the service for those of you at home. Just know that every little bit makes a profound difference in how we can love and care for our neighbors. Now may you receive this blessing. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. 
And until we meet again, and until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of His hand. Amen. With that, people of God, may you go in peace and share the good news. Thanks be to God.